0: What makes someone a life giver? It's a good question to ask. What does it mean to give life? My friend, Jihan Giron, is definitely someone who breathes life and a into the world. And yet, at the age of 35, she was diagnosed with Endometrial cancer. She lost her ability to give birth. Her journey of healing has led her to pour her spirit into making the sort of art that can change your life. To understand with her very being. To teach and transmit the truth. That. We can create anything. It is so powerful to be in relationship with someone who embodies this understanding, who's not just speaking it as a inspiring platitude, but is actually living with it, making art that helps us see it. You see, Not one of us is going to be spared the tragedies of human existence. That's something that I've had, that I've had to come to terms with. You know, something I've had to learn to accept that life has its terms. And so it behooves us to learn how to live by being in relationship from those who know the wisdom. On the other side of grief, those who know what being alive means. Jihan describes herself as an indigenous feminist, as a painter, a writer, an organizer, and a leader in indigenous environmental justice. She is a Diné, and Anahili, or Black, member of the Navajo Nation, and she also is a graduate of Stanford University. Jihan doesn't just make art. She is also a consultant. She's a teacher. She is somebody that helps leaders and organizations apply the best of indigenous wisdom to those of us or for those of us that are living our lives, trying to make the world whole again. I think you're going to love this conversation. If you don't know me, my name is Gibran Rivera. I am a guide, a teacher, a coach and a facilitator. And this podcast is an invitation into a decentralized conversation with remarkable humans who are devoting their lives to the evolution of consciousness and culture. Enjoy. Jihan, it's so good to see you. I am thrilled. This podcast interview has been very, very long in the making. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe I'll say a, a quick word about how we met and how we meandered our way here. I met you. You were a participant in the Young Climate Leaders Network, which I was privileged to facilitate. You were in the cohort of 2016. Great things have come out of that. Young Climate Leader Network work, including a whole lot around the uh, the Sunrise Movement, for example. But mm-hmm. um, yours was uh, a striking presence from the very beginning. Uh, and I very especially remember one an introductory point in that first retreat, we have multiple retreats together, when you made a direct line between patriarchy and what we're doing to the earth, and you brought that in quite powerfully, and it's it seems to be something that's still with you. As I said, look at your, the shirt that you're wearing today that says, "Bring back <laughs> <Yeah>. the main <mainstream." laughs>
1: <laughs> So
0: I, I want to make sure that we we are definitely going to get into this magical journey that you've made from climate activists, indigenous climate activists to to. To artists and how you're balancing both, and that's such an inspire inspiring uh, part of who you are. Um, you know, this this podcast is a podcast of conversations with people who are devoting their lives to the evolution of consciousness and culture. And I see evolution as the creative life force of the universe, and I see the artist as the person that is most committed to most surrendered, most given, most dedicated to that creative life force. And that's uh, a big reason for why I want to speak. But um, I wonder if you could say a couple of words about that line that you made um, and others made, but but that you held so strongly between our relationship to the earth and patriarchy.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I've done a lot of even more thinking since, <laughs> since then, you know, and done some reflection and light research around how patriarchy um, uh, was prior to the fossil fuel industry on my reservation, the Navajo Nation, and how the matriarchal system, which Navajos traditionally are matriarchy, um, we have clans, a clanship system, and we are who our mother's clan is. Like that's our, rather than a last name, right? We are our mother's clan and and what comes with that is lots of stories and a lot of responsibilities um, based off of that lineage, right? Um, and a lot of that is about the land, right? And, like, say for me, my clan is twittich so I'm a really big protector and connected to water, especially, you know? And there's a lot of teachings and things around that. Even to this day, it's like, if someone's looking for rain, they bring their twittich relative to their land. Do you know what I mean? Just, like, call wow. the rain and um you you kind of can you pour water on them, you know saying to get rain you do the same thing with the frog like pour water on the frog that you see to bring rain so it's still there, you know it's not like gone in the past, but um <clears throat> that matriarchal system has been um intentionally destroyed in order it had to be in order to bring things like the coal industry and the timber industry and water extraction to the navajo nation it caused a lot of disruption so i'd say traditionally um in the matriarchy the women are tied to the land and so we kind of stay there right (laughs) and if we, have son, our daughter, if we have daughters, then our daughters will also stay there. If we have sons, then the sons go off to the in-laws, right? Um, but when, like, the U.S. government and everything came in, and then they gave, quote-unquote, ownership of land, you know, and decision-making of land and resources to the oldest males around, right? Which are people who are not from there, right? And do not have the responsibilities of that place. So that... And that's coming along with the boarding school systems, you know, where people, kids were taken off and in away into the boarding schools to like learn these kind of Christian ways of thinking and especially gender roles, right? So then all these men are coming back out being like, actually I'm, you know, the head of the household and that's what I've been taught, right? And so now this is when they bring in the fossil fuel industry and create a quote unquote business council of men, right, to allow this to happen, right? <laughs> and I mean, and I can keep going on and on and on, but that was kind of like a first step. But there's a lot of different policies that have put in, been put in place to um deteriorate um the leadership, decision making power, and autonomy of women on the Navajo Nation.
0: That's so powerful. Well, wow, you just educated me so much so much more than than anything I even began to understand when I first heard you speak of this. I'm really thankful for that. It's uh a, it's it's a, it's much more literal an intervention than I than I imagined it to be. Right. To me, it sounded like a distinction that I've learned to make over the years, and it took me some time to make, is a distinction between masculinity and conscious masculinity and, and patriarchy, right? And and so for a long time, uh, especially seeing how I myself how some of the worst things I had done or still have done were because of patriarchy. I, I put the two together and it's taken me a while to tease them apart. But um, I see patriarchy as, as a a type of ex- extractive domination, you know? And I see that as very defining to the relationship. I, in, what industrial... They, what the industrial economy, the relationship that the industrial economy has with the earth is extractive and it seeks to dominate everything on it rather than than live with it, you know? And 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 kind of receive the gift that uh, and nurture and protect that gift, right? Rather than just extract it. And that that to me is a, it was the way I I first heard it when you spoke it and it impacted me so powerfully. But now when you get into like the details of how we work in your specific nation is it's 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 mind boggling, it's baffling how strategic it mm-hmm. were, you know? It's
1: still yeah. I, yeah. I think it's like like you said, I think it is important to like bring bring these kind of discussions down to the concrete to like actually this is what actually happened as a specific example of what we're talking about in kind of like a broader scale, you know? And your what you just reflected around like mother earth and father or father sky is the way I was thinking about it as you were talking to it's I think we also need to relearn something like let's say like a spirit like the sun right which is the male energy and like you know this idea of oh he sees over us and watches over us and like you know I, like you can see it as a dominating perspective right like he's above us or you can see it as he's protecting us, he's watching over us, you know. He's committed uh, to us and Mother Earth so much that he's just, every single day he comes, right? You know, every, he burns for us because through love and care for us and Mother Earth, right? So it's also just like how you see it.
0: Yes, yes, that just gave me- Maybe uh,
1: to see one way. Good- <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: that just gave me goosebumps, you know. Um, Hafiz uh, has this beautiful poet, poet poem where he says, even after all this time, the sun never says to the moon, uh, look how much I love you. It it yeah. Look at what happens with a love like that. It lights up the whole sky. You know, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just a gift, right? <laughs> it's just a gift. Yeah. Um, then I want to ask you, and this is a question that I asked at the beginning of the podcast, um, I want to ask you if you can share a belief that you once held to be true, perhaps a belief that that defined you, um, that now either you hold you no longer hold to be true, or at least hold more lightly. And I, I ask this question because we live in this time of polarization when everybody just seems to be getting into their ideological bunkers and doubling down and Becoming what I consider a religious fundamentalist about our, 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 all of our beliefs, our political beliefs, our, our memetic, memetic tribes, you know, one can say like people that think just like us and we just kind of make it all the same thing, same thing, same thing. And I'm just like to, to show people that the leaders that, that we're talking to here are people that have had the courage to change their mind about something. And I'm wondering if there's something you could share that is true for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think what I've been working on is what exactly what you said is trying to unlearn thinking in binaries. And for me, a tough one is right and wrong. Right? <laughs> like I, I've really pressured myself all this time. And I'm a bit of a perfectionist, right? I was an executive director for a long time, you know, you know, the type of person to like dot my I's and cross my T's or whatever, you know, but um, just the idea of like, I can like, I can either make the right choice or the wrong choice or like uh, the good choice or the bad choice, you know? And actually like, as I've taken time away from that, realizing like how much that actually gets me stuck in, in doing nothing, you know, (laughs) um, if I'm worried about making the correct choice or the good choice or being the good person or something like, you know, that, um, I think I've mentioned this to you before, but um, I really got into, and have created all these kind of like personal tools to use around this one teaching about the Chris uh, Quartz Crystal that's an Navajo teaching. Um, that and this was taught to me by a man named um, Steve Darden. He lives in Flagstaff, and uh, he's a Navajo man as well. Um, he came to teach one of our youth organizing trainings, you know, one summer when I worked with Black Mesa Water Coalition still. And we always tried to add also a cultural component to things too, you know, like to help people learn more about their culture and know how to practice it in a way that's, you know, they feel confident in doing. So uh, he came to teach us about quartz crystals, right? Crystals are something that we Include in our medicine bags and use, you know, in ceremonies and things like that. And I'll say, like, like before Sedona appeared, right? (laughs) And kind of became this like new agey thing that everybody's like, yeah, you know, um, that that's actually part of our culture, right? (laughs) So, um, and so he told us, you know, different teachings around, you know, how to take care of it, how to choose it, how to cleanse it, and all that kind of things. Where to put it? How to care for it? Um, how it can be used, but the thing that really stuck with me was that he said that um we should always have we have ones that are twelve sided like in our medicine that they should be have twelve sides, and I'm obsessed with number twelve because my birthday is December twelfth, twelve, twelve. I'm just like that's my favorite number, so it stuck with me, you know.
0: <laughs> Happy belated! Brother.
1: Happy belated! Thank you, Thank you. and um. And he said, you know, they should be 12 sided because in Navajo, this is how we see things that everything has at least 12 different ways of looking at it. And he said, you know, in the mainstream world, it's always like one or two ways. And he had acted as some sort of like individual system here in Flagstaff. I don't think like as an actual judge, but someone who judged, you know, (laughs) what would happen to people, right? And he said he saw a lot of Navajo people, a lot of brown people coming in, you know, and he's like, his job was either like, it just was like, send them to jail, right? (laughs) And how there was no room for anything else besides that. And so that's how that teaching became really important to him, you know? But it just kind of blew my mind. And I started to think, like really trying to ingrain that in everything and be like, okay, and and of course, observing yourself when you're having that t- when I'm having that tension of a, oh, is this the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? You know, trying to let that go and be like, okay. And I've actually made a little worksheet where I'll do like at least twelve different ways to look at this. You know, to try and help my mind like wrap my head around it. Um, and then also just to see things as choices, right? Like instead of the right choice or the wrong choice. So for me, that's been a big one
0: that is that is um I find already as you speak the liberating the liberating power of it um, I also grew up in a in a religious. I grew up not also I grew up in a religious community with fundament- with a fundamentalist perspective about things and that obsession with what was right and what was wrong and trying to make every choice according to this this singular identity because that's just, that's all you were you know this kind of Puerto Rican Christian member of this community that believed in this way and everything was seen through through a binary lens and it actually like took life out right it didn't gi- mm-hmm. it wasn't something that would give you life it was something that limited yeah, our experience limited life. And, yeah it's a, it's and a I think that thing.
1: even in in Nav- like being growing up Navajo we experienced that too you know like this is a traditional teaching but I didn't know it until I'm in my 30s, you know, and and so a lot of, like, even, like, Navajo tradition has become a really, like, staunch binary sometimes of, like, we have a lot of people going around, like, you do it this way, and this is the right way, and this is the wrong way, you know, even in Navajo culture, and I think that that limits us and our young people to even, like, explore Navajo culture and, like, reclaim it and get it back. Like, like you were saying, it actually limits us. It doesn't help us to gain more culture, you know. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, comes, it comes from a place of scarcity, fear, limitation. You know, it's like life is so complex, um, and then we just want to fit it into this perfect, this perfect uh, categories, and it's just never going to. It's never going to work. Right. I think
1: that's also like the limits of English, you know, <laughs> like English uh, language, you know, that we've also yes. been brought up in is like. Um. You know, and I think of the times that we're in as, like, we're, we're reaching our limits, right? And more and more people realize it now. And those limits are, of course, like, the environmental Im- limits, you know, the Earth's limits, like, the limits in um, our ability to, like, uh, just keep working, you know, <laughs> put our head, like, we've reached our limits in that. You know, and I think also we've reached the limits and just everything that we've been taught in this, like, kind of monoculture, right? And the limits of the English language we're dealing with now, because, <clears throat> you know, English is all nouns, right? <laughs> and yes. so it, yeah. it teaches us right off the bat to define, categorize, and rank even just the way that we think, you know, and that limits us now as we have to, like, actually deal with pretty complex discussions and thing and and complex multiple truths you know at the same time and people i see like in the movement are really struggling with that because they've been trained to only think in like define categorize and rank so people are running around trying to like define words and terms and frameworks as organizers you know like, as right, opposed right as opposed to building understanding, no matter what words we use, you know? Yeah. And like, um, and for, I'd say a lot of indigenous cultures and others probably is a language are actually more verb based. So it's not about naming that thing and categorizing it and ranking it. It's about knowing what is the relationship between you and that thing.
0: That is and incredible. that's a totally
1: different way of thinking, you know?
0: Yeah, it shapes every, it shapes everything, and it it actually gets us at a conversation that, that you and I have had a number of times, and that is that is something I I almost always bring up in this in this podcast conversations, which is the relationship to um, to cancel culture. Uh, as sometimes I call it movement fundamentalism. Sometimes I call it wokeness. It depends, on, right? But uh, it's been a. It seems to me like like we might be at a at a pivotal point there. It seems to me like more and more people are saying that's not working, right? And there's been some great great pieces written recently. One by Maurice Mitchell has been going around uh, about yeah how we how we are limiting possibility through this kind of rigid fundamentalist approach to 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 our movements. And I know that that you and I have talked about the lack of nuance in that and. And the fear that people have in, in, like saying the wrong thing or trying ro- wrong things, and and then there's no real belonging, right? There's just right. fear of exile, which is very different from belonging.
1: Right. Hmm. Yes. <clears throat> I. Yeah. I definitely see that happening all over the place, and I even struggle with it myself sometimes. <laughs> you know, like um, you know, it's it's a hard thing to unlearn right away, but. Yeah. Like I said, I think that's just the limits that we're reaching. And and it's also that people don't have the time. They're not given the time. They don't give themselves the time to actually truly reflect on these things. These are all like a lot of knee jerk reactions and emotional reactions. Right. And coming from people who are quite emotional <laughs> because this is the work that they're doing. Right. <laughs> and so. You know what i've been doing on the side you know is some consulting work and one of the things i've been kind of testing out this year is just a little um uh a workshop or a curriculum that's of four workshops that kind of i think it where do i what i don't um, the name of it is like or it's basically how like how to decolonize that's not the name of it but like And it goes in the pattern of like the first workshops about your mind right and so the second workshop's about your physical self and then your emotional self and then your spiritual self and so trying to provide some sort of direction of how people can begin to think about that but it's it takes time right and to introduce these concepts and play with these concepts for people to move forward in a way that's not just all about cancel culture but i feel like there's a lot of work that needs to be done to help people to express themselves in certain ways, or again, ponder and think about things and try to unlearn, you know, their dichotomous way of thinking a little bit um, before having those conversations, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which I yes. think our
0: movie yeah. means. <clears throat> Great, uh, that's brilliant. I actually, I wanna either take the workshop or, you know, get get the materials <laughs> that, because we've talked about it before and it's, it's very very exciting i love to, well uh, you know if there's a, a way to link to it i love to promote it when we when we put this podcast out because you're onto something really important and i want to i want to ask you more this takes us right into kind of the, the the gist of the conversation because the only way one gets where you are is by actually traveling the path and i've seen you travel it, and i want to i want to ask you about it uh before the question i just want to make a note that i find interesting when You were talking about nouns and defining, right? I am, uh, I'm doing the spiritual work myself around it's the fancy word for it is a non duality, right? Like, there's nothing else, there's nothing other than what it is, and everything that is 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 awareness. Is and you can call awareness God, or you can call it self aware being, or whatever word you have, but it's it's like we are identified with a separate self, but the separate self is an illusion with only the singular true sure. self. But I only bring it up because the practice is to relax your attention, right? Because when you when you use your attention to like try to remember this, your attention wants to take something and grab it, right? Make it kind of concrete and specific And so, and so, the more you do that, it's like it's this thing. It's like at least in our culture, is you know, the want to define and categorize and rank. And so that's how you're used to using your attention, versus like relaxing your attention back into its source, right, and being with what is happening. And I, I just, I just found what the way you were speaking of it to be quite connected to this, to this spiritual work that I'm doing for myself. And it sounds, it is. Telling that um, that is literally embedded in in the indigenous language that you in many indigenous languages, especially the one that, that you're most familiar with. So I wanted mm-hmm. to lift that up as a yeah. as a, a yeah. potent link, I think. Yeah,
1: yeah, one hundred percent. One of the things I always say to myself is your energy flows where your attention goes. So <laughs> like like what you were right. just saying, you
0: know, <laughs> and yes, exactly. Uh,
1: and I agree. It's like, uh yeah, it's like the difference between just sitting there and shooting an arrow, you know, <laughs> or something like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, 100%, the spiritual journey has been part of this for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's part of what I want to invite you to share more about because just as background for the listeners, when I met you, um you were the head of the uh, Black Mesa water coalition and as i've read in some of the interviews about you and and in our own conversations you know coming out of stanford rather than going to work for big energy companies or big extractors you 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 went back home to the reservation and 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 this this path was really enlightening for you 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 met you know you connected with indigenous leaders from all over North America, maybe sometimes the world. And and it was something that was you worked on, on, on local economies. You just did all this amazing stuff. It wasn't that it was bad, it was awesome. And it was also within the nonprofit industrial complex. You were also the fundraiser in chief. You were also kind of the, the leader that was expected to be at in all places at all times.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it taxed you, right? This is part of what yeah. you share. And, and yeah. so you went through this like health experiences, this family experiences, this spiritual experiences, and and now you are an artist, you know? And yeah. you just had <laughs> this solo show, right? And like, you didn't like snap your fingers and say, I want to be an artist instead, right? You just, you've been on this journey.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: and I'm just, how would, how would you tell this story? of uh, uh, yeah how would you tell the story about you got here and then and then i want to hear more about this experience of being an artist i'm
1: sure yeah so um i think for me it really started in 2017 um even before these recent few years cuz that's when i was diagnosed with endometrial cancer and um so i had a hysterectomy a total hysterectomy <clears throat> to cure myself and i'm cured and, and all that now but um that was the beginning because it like really like something that drastic had to happen for me to slow down right and leading up to that I would say for I mean as I look back on it longer than I initially thought but there was a time period let's say six months to a year where I knew something was wrong right but I didn't do anything about it because i'm busy i'm just pushing through you know i i got work to do it's fine i can put up with it until i just couldn't anymore you know what i mean so i would say that's what really made me slow down you know and stop finally after all this time like stop and so i always say to people like don't wait (laughs) until something that bad happens to you you know listen to your body and and take care of yourself so That's where it really started. And for me, that's a big part of where the art started, too, because um, I just had to get this image out of my head, which was that I had a blank, empty space in my body where my uterus was, like just an empty black hole, you know, it just stuck in my head like after that. And I knew like I had to get it out somehow. And that's how the painting happened you know yes. in a bigger way was because i had to paint that image and also like transform that image into something good. Do you know what i mean so it's like for me yes. i tried trans- you know trans like that black hole that i felt like an emptiness in myself actually became more of like um a black hole in terms of anything can happen now right like anything can be created and it's not just about creating a physical human baby right that power that's there is still there and it's the power to create whatever you want you know or the life that you want right um so that's how it all kind of started for me um and at that point is when i start to seriously be like like, okay when am i getting out of this job you know what i mean like and really seriously starting to figure out how to transition out and you know take sabbatical or something i don't know (laughs) you know um and so, then I left in two, and I then I started to paint a little bit more after that and it was fun. You know, I didn't really consider it anything much, you know, besides I like to do it. Um, and then, but really, so I, I made the plan to leave my work in 2019, which I did. And I had all these plans to, um, you know, take travel. I like traveling. I love going, you know. <laughs> And I had saved up some money. I had a few months of sabbatical that I could use at the end of my time. And, uh, and then the pandemic happened right at that moment. So <laughs> I didn't get to do a lot of the traveling and stuff I wanted to do, but then it kind of forced me then to, I guess, travel more inward than outward, you know, and like go ahead and surrender to the isolation and, you know, just being here like, and, and trying to make something out of it, you know, um, one of the little, I don't know, memes, they're like head memes, I guess, <laughs> I have in my head now, <laughs> but, <laughs> like the idea of like turning, um, poisons into potions, right? So that's another thing that I always think of, it's like, and, and like I said, with that paint, that first painting, is like, how can I take something that seems bad, feels bad, and like transform it into something that works for me you know so trying to figure out how to do that with that time too and um so many lessons and I feel like this year it's I mean it's the same lessons over the past few years right just more <laughs> more intense you know <laughs> kind of like yeah your you, okay, yeah, you kind of got it but let's see if you really got it now you know right <laughs> but a lot of exploration and simple things over these years, like, oh, and I should say, I also was blessed to win an award through the NDN Collective it was um, the Changemaker Fellowship. So it's like a chunk of money that you can spend and just live off for a year. And that helped me, right? And I 100% believe that people, uh, you know, especially people who've been doing, you know, this work for, 15 plus years or something like that um they should just get a year or two off you know (laughs) to not have to worry about and to because I'd say the first few months of my time off I was like oh yeah kind of still like oh yeah vacation time do you know what I mean but then after that it was kind of like I experienced really like high anxiety because I was not busy and it was really weird you know it was like I It's like when I was working, I I, I learned that I have a high anxiety, right? (laughs) And so when I was working, I could use that anxiety to get stuff done. But then once I didn't have that work outlet, it was just sitting there. And I was like, this is so crazy. So you need time is what I'm saying to kind of realize really what's up with you and where you're at and examine, is this really where you want to be? And I wish, and I'm grateful that I had that time supported, and I wish other people would, you know, um, have all that, like, have, be able to be blessed with that because we really need it. Um, so I began to take classes and things I, I was interested in. And I, I took, like, my, my first little painting class, you know, I took a writing class. I took some spiritual workshops as well, you know. Um, and just began to dive into those things that interested me and see where they took me. Um, some of the things that I had to like focused on, for example, is like, how do I feel? You know, <laughs> like people, I, like I thought I knew how I felt about things, but those were just assumptions from my mind. Do you know what I mean? Not like truth from my heart or spirit, you know? So I really had to sit every day and be like, how does this make me feel and observe how things made me feel? And then then the question of how do I want to feel? <laughs> What's the most important feelings that I want? And it's like, again, we make the assumption of like, I want to feel happy, but what does that mean? You know, like what is happiness for you <laughs> versus for me, right? So, like for me, a big feeling that I that makes me happy is feeling free. Like. Oh, you know, I want to, and so then it's like, so what makes me feel free, right? <laughs> and for me, painting is a big, I mean, dancing too, right? But um, painting is something that makes me feel free. It, it's like you were saying, that's the thing that calms my mind down and allows me just to be present and open as opposed to thinking all the time. And that's why I've gravitated towards it so much, you know. And I think I'm good at it.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. No, your work is spectacular. I. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> I can't wait for folks to see it. Yes, <laughs> those wow. are some thoughts,
1: If you wanna, no, yeah,
0: that's, that's, that's a beautiful, beautiful download of 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 wisdom along the way. And 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 I I like what you're saying. I mean, I like so much of what you're saying, including the fact that. there's definitely a system that keeps us running like chickens without a head but we also contribute to it because to slow down is to face ourselves and there's a reason why we we have it because there are old herds, there are there's an immediate reality that is terrifying right and so, to slow down and be with what is as it is, um, it's literally the only way to to get free. But also the hardest thing to do. Better to to be running around, carrying and arguing and and working on behalf of beliefs that are just that. They're just beliefs. They're just ideas. They're not necessarily truths. You know, a belief um, is 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 something that you. It's not something that you have. It's something that has you, right? And, and so we have all these beliefs that we're running around with, and defending. But we're not, We haven't paused to find out what is true inside of us. And and I feel like you, like that's work that you've been doing, and that's work that you have also been expressing. And I just love the connection that you've made between that expression and that sense of freedom and the art that you are creating, and the connection that you've made to now without a uterus right you can what it does what it what it has gotten to you is this sense that it means you can create anything and uh as we started the call right to me this this sense of serving of aligning ourselves with the evolutionary impulse of serving uh the creative life force of the universe that when we are aligned with that that's when we are in resonance right with with Mm -hmm. what is unfolding uh, versus in in dissonance with it,
1: yeah. Mm Mm-hmm, 100%.
0: Thank you for the gift of your attention. If there's something here that resonates for you, something that feels true and good, think about a friend that you could share it with. We curate for each other. And that's the only way the good stuff spreads.
1: I'd say a big part of those years too is also just practicing like spiritual practices or whatever. You know, like working in environmental justice and especially in Indigenous communities, I've been taught like you have to protect yourself and that's big on in Indigenous organizing. It should be, you know, for young organizers who don't do it, but it's like protecting yourself. So like I would always get... And even, like, for the organization or people, but also individually, like, protection prayers. This is a Navajo thing. Like, go to Medicine Man. He, you know, he basically, like, puts your armor on you or something. And, like, a way to think of spiritual armor or something. Right. And, you know, you renew it, you re-up it and stuff like that. That's a kind of a very fast way to say it. But um, so I wanted, so, for example, I was like, I want to know how to do it myself. I want to mm-hmm. know how to do it myself so I don't have to go to a medicine man. I mean, I'm not saying like, I don't want to go. And I mean, I, they have power. Uh, My grandfather was a medicine man. So I totally believe in it. You know, I've seen miraculous things. I, I'm all there. So it's not to denigrate it, but it's also this idea of like, we all have the ability to do these things to some extent, you know? (laughs) So that's what I want to learn, you know? Um, And I don't want my spirituality to be dependent on somebody else or what somebody else says or listening to somebody else, you know. And so then how do I feel strong in, you know, as you're saying, my connection with whoever, with the earth, with the elements, with ancestors, with guides and guardians, with the all, you know, um, myself. So that was also part of all of it. And um, and that's those things are what helped me too, like to realize. Um, let's I'm let trying to think of a specific example. So, um, gosh, I think it's called Spirit Guide Collective or something. Actually, Lynn, who you know was part of uh, YCLN, uh, another friend of ours, was the one who recommended me, you know, to talk to this woman because I was having all these like dreams and thoughts or like visions during meditation that I was just not understanding, you know. And so she's like, I recommend talk to this person. And that's how I kind of got involved with her thing. But I signed up for a class, which is like six workshops. Um, and it's just basically practicing stuff, you know? So it's like homework, which I need that accountability. You
0: know? you yeah,
1: exactly. yeah. Same with working out, right? Like, give me a trainer because that's like, I need someone to be accountable to. But, but <laughs> Um, so she'd have us, like, pull cards every day for the next four weeks, pull them every morning, you know, and just see what happens, you know, um, or practice reading for somebody else and see what happens, you know. And so that was really, it was fun and it was cool and just, like, building up my own confidence in my own intuition and um, and spiritual relationships with different spirits <laughs> yes, so I,
0: yes, that was yes,
1: a, yes. all part of it too <clears throat>
0: that's, that's great that's great and and again very very concrete as we were talking about in the beginning in that you know you have you have this opportunity to fly all over but you know COVID happens and all of us are on the ground for a couple of years and and then at some point some point in that trajectory you make the commitment to actually have a solo show by the end of this year. Can you tell us a little bit about about that? About because I'm I'm always interested in that, the, you know, the the process of going from dream, right? And and calling and 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 hearing the pool into into making something real, you know, in the world to actually doing the thing. Yeah. Um, tell us how that worked for you.
1: Yeah. Yes, um, when I took my art class, and I—I I would say I always wanted to do art, even when I was young. You know, <clears throat> um, I was never—I it just never worked out, though. Like um, in high school, I would sign up for my electives to be an art class or writing class, and they always put me in strength and conditioning because I was an athlete. You know, and so that didn't happen. And then in college, I just—I was a science major, so I just didn't have many free classes at all. So I didn't do it there. And then trying to take some adult classes after college and they'd be canceled, you know? So it was just like, I don't know what is going on with, with this, right? Um, but I know it was something that I always wanted to do, you know? Um So I took my class. I learned a lot from it just in terms of techniques, you know? And my instructor was really encouraging, like, I think you could do this. Like, you're good. You could, she's like, I think you could even probably teach this class if you wanted to. And, you know, that encouragement from people helped. And, you know, it took me a long time to just even be like, I think I might want to be an artist or something, you (laughs) You know, like kind of whispering it to people, you
0: know. (laughs) Yes, I was one of those people.
1: <laughs> and then getting back like no you are an artist and but uh i'm still in the learning phase so i did have a goal like and i think i just reached a natural point where it's like the paintings that i had done over the past few years i was like okay i think i'm ready to if they want to go or you know i'm ready for a new set of yeah. thoughts and ideas you know um so that's kind of le- led me to a natural point and It was hard. It's building up the courage to just put yourself out there, you know, and I had been talking about, okay, I'm going to do a show in the spring and try spring of this year, like making room for it, telling everybody about it. Um, But also I didn't really like, I can't think of a better way to say this, but I don't like it. Pull the trigger (laughs) (laughs) until until this summer and Uh, Yeah, it just took me a long time to build myself up to the confidence of trying, you know, and even immediately after I had found someone to work with on the show or space to host it, I was like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I should cancel it. Maybe this is the wrong space, you know, Um, but I think in terms of the spiritual messages I was getting, it was it was like, okay, now it's your turn to do your work. Do you know what I mean? Like we've been helping you yes. and now you have to put in your effort too, you know? So it's like us being humans here on this world, you know, here on this planet in this time and place, it's like, we have to put that energy into, you know? Um, so that's what I kind of held to that thought of like, it's, I have to put in my energy too, you know? in this physical form and that's what I that's what stuck in my head to help like push me to to do it and stick it out um and I also it was a big learning experience for me too like I I I I had a lot of control over this you know which I think like maybe not a good thing right especially if the whole um the whole name of the show was (laughs) surrender And I was like, not, not doing it, but. Uh, wow, um, that's
0: incredible. That's, that's incredible.
1: <laughs> but, um, wow. but now, you know, there's different uh, galleries and things here in Flagstaff. It's a little bit of an art town too. Um, and, you know, it's, it's standard for folks to take like, let's say, 30 to 45% commission. And so I was just like, I don't get that. I don't, I don't want to do that. Like I'm not, you know, so I partnered with a nonprofit with a space to kind of like do the show on my own, um, which it was a lot of doing a lot of things on my own, you know, which I didn't even realize that needed to be done for a show. now I understand the 30% plus, you know, <laughs> because you know, all that kind of background Good work. Hard promotion promotion materials and insurance and, and constant social media stuff, you know, like that is a lot of work, <laughs> what I learned. And um, so anyway, it was all a good learning experience for me. And I think it helped me to think of it that way too. It helped to build my courage to be like, I'm just learning and letting myself just be there as opposed to, again, this is the right or wrong choice. And this is the wrong or right time, you know. This is the right or wrong way to do it. I, I, but again, the lessons of the years prior, like, were put to the test, I would say,
0: this year. Yeah. I'm just writing that down. I'm just learning, right? Like, what a simple, powerful stand, right? That, that, that allows, yeah. It allows, for creativity, it allows for imagination, right? It's a it allows for experimentation, which is the only way we're gonna get to do new things in the first place, right? It's a right. it's a, it's a powerful powerful journey. I wanna ask you about the process of getting to the canvas, right? Because <laughs> one hears you say, "I feel free," right? And so we know that that one feels good, like. I feel great after I do some yoga, you know? But Mm -hmm. it was uh, this morning, it had been weeks before I was on the mat, right? (laughs) And my body was creaky, right? And like, it's like, you know that this thing, right? The meditation, the yoga, the creative work, like it's all going to be good for you. Um, Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. exactly. And so as you are making yourself available to this creative life force to move through you and you know that it's a calling that you have, mm-hmm. how do you how did you get yourself to the canvas Was it, yeah, how, how did it happen? How does it happen?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm struggling with that right now. And I would say with meditation, that's a tough one for me. It's like, I love it. It's great. it helps. why why do I always have to force myself to begin? <laughs> you know, again, it's still a learning process. But um, I mean, I'm kind of struggling with that now, getting to the canvas because <clears throat> I haven't painted since the beginning of November, or the ver- yeah, the very beginning of November, right before my show, because I was like nonstop with uh, one of the paintings I was working on. I was working on it like ten plus hours a day for a good couple of weeks, and I was exhausted. I was tired. My schedule was all crazy because I paint at night a lot just because also just when I get in the vibe and also this when the light is better for me or not or less distracting and where I paint, you know, whatever I paint at night. So I was staying up to like three or four in the morning for several weeks and my schedule is all crazy. So I needed a break. Right. And I haven't painted (laughs) since then. I just started to sketch some things today or last night. But uh, it takes time. And I think like something that I'm learning is like, it's okay. You know, uh, advice that I get from a lot of artists is paint every day. You know, even if it's only 30 minutes, you know. And so I I was doing that a lot in the lead up to my show. But I've also learned um, you need rest too. Like I don't have to paint every day. And if I don't want painting to turn into work or turn into a chore. It is, right? I am painting because I have to for this and I will sell it, right? Um, But I don't want it to become something else that doesn't feel good to me, you know? So rest is important. And even, yeah, anytime I have a big output I've learned because I've been observing myself so much. Like I have a weekly schedule that I, I'll show it to you. I know people have mm-hmm. weekly schedules my little weekly schedule where i like write I love it. you know his, yeah yeah i like writing things That's and then great. it becomes You're kind so of good. like my journal at the end of the year in a way you know and i just i was like here's the really high priority or high time or high effort or high energy things i need to get done here's the kind of low time or effort or energy priorities and here's the other things if i have time and i'll try and plan my week like that but as i've been doing that it makes me it's helped me to understand what i can actually get done in a week rather okay. than like here's my giant list and here's my right. expectations yeah. for myself that i'm never going to meet as i've been able to be like this is actually how i work this is actually how like i can flow and to be able to recognize different times you know that i'm feeling a certain way so that's also helped me to realize. Oh, after I have like a giant energy output, I need one to two weeks of rest. Right. Of of <laughs> and course. so then I put right that it in here as well, right? Um, but, you know, it, it is hard. I also have to have a clean kitchen. I paint in a tiny space, you know, in the in my little breakfast, what used to be my breakfast nook and so it takes time to get there but i think what i've learned is not to put pressure on myself too hard again to like judge myself that i need to be painting yeah. all the time and oh my god i'm not painting something's wrong because it's because i need rest so it's also about listening to yourself and i guess honing my intuition to know when i'm bullshitting myself You know, right. what I mean, right. it's like yeah. building up that awareness enough to know like you know you know when you're Just procrastinating, and you know when it's time you need rest, or hopefully you do. I've been building myself to know that at this point,
0: right? And and so, but it it takes it takes some discernment because sometimes you're just punishing yourself for thinking you're procrastinating when you're actually just really really need the rest. You know, I'm a big fan of one of the most important books I've read in a while is by a guy called Oliver Bergman, and it's called Four Thousand Weeks. Time management for mortals, and he's completely like breaking down this ideology that we have around time management and productivity. And uh, his his um, his newsletter is called the Imperfectionist, you know, and it's, it's so good. <laughs> and, and, and and so it's funny because it's that, it's like I like you said, it's like non-binary. It's not binary. Like right? for me today. I wrote on my reminders and, as a daily reminder. And you know, it, 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 these daily reminders work until my, your brain stops seeing them in the phone, pop up on the phone, you know, but at the beginning, your brain sees them and it's like, practice extreme kindness in building your, a good habit, you know? Because the tendency is to crack a whip on yourself, right? And to punish yourself, right? As opposed to being very kind to yourself and almost like seducing yourself, right? Into a good habit, right? With love, with care, with like noticing how good you feel, right? As as opposed to like miss skipping that part. So, So that's that practice. I mean, at the same time, you know we are doing this interview in in late December and uh, and we'll start January with this thing called Boost Your Practice, which is a program I do, where people build these teams and they have. We all wake up at, by six a.m. We all have to commit to at least one hour of a creative practice, and it could be your work, it could be a project, but it has to be for you, right? It has to be on you. It can be for work, but it has to be yours. It can't be something put on you, right? Um, then you have to have like. You can define your diet practice, but you have to have one. You can define your your eating practice. The diet is not a good word, right? Your healthy eating practice, your exercise routine, and your mindfulness routine. And you decide what you want it to be, but your team rises or drops with you. Like If you don't practice, your team loses a point, right? If you practice, your team gains a point. And in being together in this little team, supporting each other for 28 days, you have this this kind of friendly competition and this support structure around, around building your practice, like you said, when you were working with that guy, right? So anyway, it's a, it's a cool program. So it's a, it's a tension between those two things, right? Creating a structure that helps you get it done and also, like, never losing touch with your animal body. Right. Because that's that's where the creativity is coming from anyway. Right. It's from this animal body. It's like that's that's what that attunement with creation. Mm
1: -hmm. And so
0: it's it's an interesting tension.
1: Yep, I think like our body I've been becoming to think of like our bodies is like this is this is our spacesuit. You know, (laughs) like this is how we travel through time and space, you know, and this is where we can explore and be explorers like in this life you know <laughs> but
0: that's but
1: it. we don't right it's been changed a lot I think also on the the timing and and you know getting to the canvas thing and all of that too I think something that's been taught to me that now I'm practicing in a bigger way too is just like look to nature like right you know like what it's a winter time what's nature doing you know what I mean, it's and just observing what your own energy levels are during these times. Like, oh, yeah, we're busy in the summer, right? And looking at my calendar for the year, I'm like, oh, that just actually is true. Because look at all these things I did in the summer. This is the time of winding down, right? <laughs> winding down and resting and reflecting and, you know, that kind of thing. So it's not a moment of produce, produce, produce paintings, you know, <laughs> for me, too. Um,
0: yeah. Powerful. No, it's, it's, I love, I love speaking with an artist, a creative person, because we just have to be in the, we have to be in that, in that listening in an attunement for the art to be real. And also like, we have to get to the, there are actual, there's, there are often um, voices of resistance and fears that keep us from the canvas because we are exposed, right? When we are and, I, and I, I'm saying we. I never, I don't, I don't paint, but I do feel like I, I try, I, I treat my life as, and my work as art, you know. And uh, certainly, the the work, yeah, the, a lot of the healing work is certainly that. And but you know, it's going to feel like um, like a, a, like a left turn here. But I'm looking at the time, and I want to make sure I ask you, um, and even the question could be you can correct the question itself if I, if it's the wrong question to ask but i feel like over the last 10 15 years there's been uh at least in the culture outside of indigenous communities right there's been like a like an indigenous like like indigenous folk have Coming to the the awareness of movements and people outside of their communities in a different way. It's kind of like a like a heightened awareness um, that that you've always been here, that you're that you're here still, that you're holding something that is important to all of humanity right now, and that many of us just not just were not paying attention. So it's, I don't know if we would call it that. I don't know what we would call it. I don't. I don't feel like revival is fair because you've always been alive, but there's a, and a heightened awareness by non-indigenous folk about what indigenous people are bringing, and I'm I'm wondering, yeah, I'm wondering what are your observations about that, or, or either the redirection of my question, or yeah, how do you feel? Are you sensing that to be true yourself? Are you seeing? Um, there's there there's this a kind of an awakening for, for from the outside to to what indigenous people are bringing
1: yeah i think um maybe you know like <laughs> you know as someone who like i've been an indigenous person working in the movements for all this time and i feel like my experience has been you know definitely like allyship but people don't really get us when we're talking about things you know <laughs> like and it's why like even people of color communities support things like carbon trading and carbon markets when us indigenous people are saying no. You know what I mean? Like that's still there, right? Because, and and the diff- and so what I've experienced is people kind of looking at native folks like they're kind of have a vague, vague spirituality stuff over there, but but not actually incorporating any of that into the work you know what I mean right. Right. <laughs> and or, or thinking like it's so simple like I remember us bringing different indigenous speakers to kind of movement spaces especially local like where it was happening you know and these elders who are like <clears throat> really respected in indigenous communities talking to these folks and these folks not getting it right <laughs> because it seems like something that's simple to them oh live close to the land well that's so simple concept but it's because they're not actually engaging in it. They're just like, oh, Indians, vaguely spiritual over there. You know, that's how I've seen it. Um, and when you look at things like the Just Transition framework, for example, you know, the two circles and the, um, you know, it's, it's supposed to help us understand different strategies that exist in the entire, like, possibilities of Just Transition. Um, but they have a box in there at the bottom that's like, the culture filter or values filter that is completely unexamined or explained, it's just a box there. And that to me is reflective of the larger movement, not understanding indigenous values and how, how to put them in practice, not just it's a vague thing that you only think about and feel good about sometimes, you know? (laughs) <laughs> and i and I think it's because people don't want to understand their don't want to acknowledge their own role as settlers here they want to belong here too and so they it's hard for them to examine that they might it's not that they don't belong here but that you know what I mean it, yeah, it's I like do. why why so, like, so many people are like i'm indigenous too right oh da, 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 I'm indigenous I have you know and I see that a lot more among just all kinds of people of color too. It used to be a lot of white people who said that, right? But Indian princess, blah, blah. blah. But now it's a lot more than white people. And it's, it's, a, it's one of those complicated subjects, right? <laughs> because we want to say, yeah, you, you do have indigenous like blood in your veins and history as someone here from America, sure. but But OK, what does that mean? What does that mean now in how you interact with this place? Do you hold the responsibilities of your people the way we do? So like, it's it's a different, they're different levels. You know what I mean? And I feel like most people, like they want, a lot of Americans will do anything to be like, I belong here. They don't want to examine the negative impacts that they actually have to Indigenous peoples and Indigenous land here. Not just in the past, but now you know, all the people who live down in Phoenix or Las Vegas or Los Angeles, they don't want to acknowledge how living there impacts us Navajo people because of our coal mining and fracking. And so, you know what I mean? Like that to me is, it still needs to come together, you know? (laughs) And to me, it's part of that decolonization thing, you know, it's, it's like, um, and the workshops that I'm doing is like, what's your actual actions as an Indigenous? Are you protecting this land? Are you connecting with the spirits? Are you, you know, like, I don't know. So I feel like there's um, a lot of people, like you're saying, coming into this kind of new understanding, but again, kind of like separately than actual Indigenous people, right? It's like, they, it's the personal journey. It's not about the land necessarily, or their responsibilities, it turns into like, it's my right to do this, to say this, to be here. They, it's like the rights versus responsibilities that native people have always brought into the conversation, right? <laughs> rights versus responsibility. It's our responsibility, yeah, yeah. not our right, you know? <laughs> and to bring up this, I always bring up these statistics. One is that um, of all the, like across the world, Indigenous people are like 5% of the population, like people who are, you know, Indigenous by whatever UN standards or something. 5% of the population, yet on our lands and the lands that we caretake for is 80% of the world's biodiversity. That's what being Indigenous means. Or another way to look at it is like Indigenous people are 400% better than 95% of all the people in this world at taking care of the land. That's what it means to be indigenous, okay? And like, um, and here in the United States and Canada, Grist Magazine did a article last year, last October, that said that indigenous organizing in the U.S. and Canada um, has resulted in uh, reductions emissions of 25%, okay? What's everybody else's organizing doing? And that's with us in the U.S. and Canada being 4% of the population or less, So there's obviously values and ways of moving in the world that are different, that I say, that's how indigenous people move through the world. Right. Right. And so it's more than, Oh, I once heard it. I had an ancestor that's indigenous and therefore I'm going to speak on behalf of indigeneity and indigenous peoples, you know, like that stuff I'm not down with, but that is a doorway to open, right. (laughs) To actually go into the world of, what it's like to be an Indigenous person in this place, you know? And then, you know, like truly and to understand and to start to build that connection and life ways with this land so that the land accepts you too. Do you know what I mean? Again, it's not the dominating thing. You know, what I've been taught all this time by all these Indigenous elders that I've worked with through my work is that the most important thing that you can do is build and strengthen your spiritual connection to the to the land and elements. That's it. That's what the work's about. Yeah. Most people don't want to do that, right? Right. <laughs> or they don't know how to do it or how to start, right? right. Um, right. Right. So, you know, right. I, right. I've i seen a lot of this kind of connection or re, a resurgence of connection to spirituality and Indigeneity has being absent of indigenous people, and that's kind of where I have a problem with it. Right,
0: this <laughs> is great. I'm glad I asked the question. I'm glad I asked the question because your answer is very powerful and very clarifying. Um, there's might be uh that there's just a long way to go. Like there's a, a yeah, there's just a long way to go. And, and and the clarity with which you speak of it is extremely helpful. And there's a, there's a potency there that transmits and then I'm, that it's my prayer that the listeners will 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 hang on to the essence of what you're saying. And uh, they engage in this work of building and strengthening a spiritual connection to the land and like really grow our awareness about what indigenous people are holding and how they're doing yeah. right now.
1: And uh, I, I live in Flagstaff, Arizona, which is a border town to Navajo reservation and Hopi, reservation. it's a border town and it's a, Um, You know, a very outdoorsy place, like people traveling to the Grand Canyon stay here and you know, hiking, biking, like that's the people who live here. And we have a mountain here that's called Dokoslid in Navajo language. It's our one of our sacred mountains and it's our Western boundary area. So like a difference between me and someone else in Flagstaff and how I treat that mountain, you know, outside of there's a big debate about a, a ski resort up there, too, but I won't get into that. Um, but like me, I don't just go up there just to like hike around and da 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 da, right? Because it's such a it's a powerful place, and there's all kinds of like, as an indigenous person, I can point to that mountain and be like, this is on that other side of that mountain. That was the first place that we ever had a like hujanje, this certain ceremony. Other people can't do that, right? To point to the place and know where things happen. <laughs> in your but, own culture and heritage and also so it's and it's so powerful. I i made a paint I painted it. There's a painting about some of its teachings and things. But like <clears throat> that uh I don't just go up there to let like us say like looky loo around and like oh be in nature because you know I, I always uh, ask for permission to go up there and it's always for a purpose. I don't just go up there. Do you know what I mean? There's a Because because it's an important place, but also it's it's so powerful. It can take stuff from you too, right? (laughs) Like if you're all blessed and you're running around up there, and the mountains like, what you doing up here? Okay, well you came up here. You didn't offer me anything. I take this from you. You know what I mean? (laughs) So that's just a concrete example of how I see the landscape that I live on currently different than
0: other people here do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's, so. Yeah, no, that's just deeply moving, deeply, deeply moving, and yeah, the kind of the kind of high end awareness that we have to have to even interact. And how necessary it is, how it is, how it is essential to our coming into right relationship with the earth is 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 that is remembering those ways and, and learning from the people that hold them. It's it's powerful. Thank you for sharing. Um, and and I feel the the passion in your words and and the feelings that it brings up. And I'm honoring that too, and holding that in in my own heart with you. Um, We are, we're coming towards a close. And uh, I, in a moment I'll ask if there's anything else that you wanna, that that has been unsaid, but I always invite uh, my guests with their consent to go on a little, on a brief time traveling journey. And so the invitation is to take a moment and kind of move ahead to the future and and see if you can see yourself twenty years from now and some of the things you have been working on have been accomplished, including your own, especially your own spiritual work. And some haven't. You know, some things have succeeded, sometimes fail, sometimes have taken longer than you thought. Sometimes some things have defined you and. And you can begin to embody that, that older self and the wisdom that that person holds or the woman holds. And if she could come back here to this moment right now, what would she have to say uh, to you and to us? What would be the teaching that she that she would transmit to us uh, as we as we stand here today?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm, that's a good one. Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, what you're saying to me, <laughs> is, uh, just keep going, you know, you're on the right path. Um, you know, I think, uh, I mean, I think what she's teaching is, is, um, bringing back the matriarchy <laughs> or is like bringing back the yes. feminine, the women's the or feminine energy however you want to call it to this world and that it's it's there's so much more to it right than what we've been taught is defined as what women do and men do we we understand that whole gender binary and how it's crap but um also part of like the women's energy is is creativity you know it's magic you know, it's dancing it's receiving receiving you know and then doing with the male energy you know um so all you know it's all the scary things right <laughs> that we're afraid of that's the woman's energy and it has a power and it's not good or evil it can be good and evil good or evil and everything else right <laughs> Um, but I think that's really a lot of what we're missing is we're afraid of, afraid of like, like you said, knowing who we really are. Like, I think part of my spiritual journey too, is like to connect to, I mean, as Cleo Gibran says, (laughs) (laughs) his poem on self-knowledge, for example, you know, it's like, Um, I have not found the path of my soul. I have met the soul walking upon my path, right? And the soul walks upon all paths and blah, blah, blah. That's my
0: favorite poem of his, but. That's so beautiful. Thank you for bringing my (laughs) music.
1: I think that's right. It's that, and I feel like I've gotten a hint of that too, is like understanding myself and who I am beyond this space that I chose this time around, you know? And I think that's, that's what's really helped me to break a lot of barriers that i've been stuck in you know for my whole life right and it's and it's it that is what's helped me be strong too right and feel rooted and feel strong and feel connected is making that connection so i think that's what i want more people to be able to do like i i realize now it's not about finding the correct campaign Mm -hmm. or strategy There's definitely uses for that, you know? Um, but how do we get people to open themselves? That's it. Right? That's <laughs> open it. themselves.
0: That really is it. That's, your, that's where you and I and our work meet. And uh, mm-hmm. it feels like a very, very sacred place to, mm-hmm. to end. Of course, we have to give you the last word if there's anything else. And I, I want to tell you that we meet there for sure what is it how do we help people open themselves and and that as you know i'm committed to men's work and and Mm -hmm. so much of the work that we do is about that it's about how to relate to the holy feminine that you've described as you as you have described her Mm -hmm. you know how to take how to take our role in honor and in service and in protection of that Mm -hmm. Um, understanding you know without again without getting lost in, in in role binaries, but knowing that some of us some of us do identify. Some of some of us in masculine bodies identify with masculine energy and and that there's something we can do with that that is in service of what what is needed right now for humanity. Mm-hmm. So I wanna remind you of that because you inspire it in me. And <laughs> uh yeah, if there's anything else that you want to say before we close.
1: I do. Um first, just like, yeah, thank you for the the work with the men, because that's a tough one. (laughs) That's a lot to unlearn. That is a lot to unlearn, you know, and that's some tough work. So, and it needs to be done 100% with all of us. But I'd say, yeah, for men, it's it's a tough one. Um, But also, uh, I'd say the last thing I would, uh, just building off of what I said previously in this Is building. I just encourage people to build their ability to trust in their own intuition and trust in the messages that they're getting from wherever those are coming from, right? Um, Be able to discern, hopefully, (laughs) you know. Again, I was saying this like this female energy is like to receive the way I think about it, and that receiving has been turned into like a really patriarchal thing right like i do and you just kind of receive right but our power is is that power of intuition and connection to spirits and the all that's the information that we receive right that's our ability to receive right <laughs> in the female side that's been taken over like we're we're told what to receive now right we're given things to receive right and so, and that's how we end up that's what guides us into our actions right and those are things like buy stuff that makes you happy that's something that we receive and do now right so you have right. like you have to figure out how to what where else are you receiving from and what messages are right. those that you are receiving to make your actions out this way good for you purposeful for you right and so then that ability of trusting your intuition and building your own trust in yourself and listening to yourself so many of us know what we should do but we don't do it right? <laughs> so that's i think the muscle that i encourage people to build you know yes Ashe,
0: Ashe. <laughs> thank you so much you are a blessing your journey is an inspiration i'm so glad we thank have you. finally had this conversation thank and I you. look forward to just being in conversation with you forever until, yes. until, until we're done <laughs> yeah, with this yeah. body. Uh, you're quite a blessing. Mm. I can wait for people to get to know your art that you've made so far and the art that you'll keep making. Thank um, you. Thank you again. Many, yes, many blessings thank you, to you.
1: you, You're the best. <laughs> uh, thank
0: you. Signal versus noise. There's so much competing for our attention. And I am so glad that you stayed with us through the end of the podcast. It should mean that you're finding something meaningful here. Hopefully, something worth sharing. And so I'm asking again that you think of somebody who would be touched by this conversation, who wants to be a part of it some way. It is a decentralized conversation. It is a way in which we're changing ourselves by leaning in towards each other in places like this and in the exchange of these ideas. So who's a person or two that will be specially moved by what you've heard here today? Send them a text, an email. Let them know we're here. We're not trying to reach everybody, but we wanna reach the right people. We want to keep having this decentralized conversation. We want to keep working on getting right to the edge of the evolution of consciousness and culture. To see what we find here, together. Thank you again for being a part of this. Liking the podcast helps. Subscribing is definitely a good thing. Feedback is always welcomed. Stay in touch.